And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Discussing struggles for the Cowboys and Patriots and the rise of two rookie quarterbacks on this episode of Fantasy Football in 15. Hello everyone, welcome into Fantasy Football in 15 to start your week, the last week of October here on Monday, October 26th, Halloween week, so I'm sure we'll have plenty of spooky content coming your way. I am Michael Beller, joined as always by Derek Van Riper. DVR, one more game still ahead of us uh, for this week seven, but it's been a fun week, man. How you doing? Doing great, and no one loves spooky content more than our friend Nando DeFino, so I'm very sure... True. We will have some Halloween stuff up on the site. Oh, that is definitely true. We already got it started over this previous weekend, and now it's only going to pick up for this next week for sure, especially with Halloween falling on the weekend, Halloween on Saturday of this week. So we're definitely going to have plenty of that stuff coming your way right here this week. You know who had already had, uh, I think, enough spookiness for their season uh, on Sunday were the Dallas Cowboys and the New England Patriots, two teams that just absolutely Looked a mess. Dallas going down to the Washington football team by a score of 25-3. to The New England Patriots getting embarrassed at home by the 49ers, 33-6. to And Derek, I mean, if you are invested in one of these teams, which one are you more concerned about at this point? I think I'm more concerned about the Cowboys because we saw Andy Dalton leave this game with a concussion. We've heard the reports out of Dallas about the coaching staff not really teaching the players anything. And as talented as they are, I'm not sure they have an answer at quarterback. Whereas with the Patriots, they make the move from Newton to Stidham. At one point, Jared Stidham was penciled in to be the starter for this team before Newton was on board. And, man... I was wrong about Cam Newton. I thought the Patriots were going to win 11 or 12 games and everybody was going to sit there in December and say, how did the Patriots get Cam Newton and win this division so easily? And he just doesn't look right. I know there are bad weapons there, but it's not just that. Uh, I think because of the talent in Dallas, I could see people wanting to be on that side, but I think that's more of a mess right now. So I'm actually going to take the Patriots side. I think you can get things going in a simple way with Edelman and James White catching passes out of the backfield. they got a couple of young tight ends that could emerge. Maybe you get something out of Nikhil Harry going forward. Like I, it's hard to believe, but I guess I just trust Belichick to figure it out with Josh McDaniels more than I trust Mike McCarthy to figure it out with Kellen Moore. I mean, I you know we really liked Washington's defense going into that game, but I did not, did not expect them to shut down the Cowboys to the tune of three points scored in the first quarter. Nothing going for Ezekiel Elliott. Nothing going for the passing game. C.D. Lamb didn't catch a pass in this game. C.D. Lamb's on the stat sheet with one carry for one yard, and that's it. Really, nothing for anyone. Um, Michael Gallup again held catchless. Amari Cooper had seven catches for eighty yards, and that's the guy who's coming out of this game with the biggest uh, with the biggest fantasy game. Uh, 
uh, for anyone in a Dallas uniform. So I'm with you, but I think the really the bigger takeaway here is it's equal. I'm very concerned about both of these offenses, and I don't think either of them is really going to get it going anytime soon. I, I, like If you look at all of the players on these offenses up and down, I still feel okay about Dallas's receivers just because they're all so good, but the ceiling is just way down, and the floor is way down from where it was with Dak Prescott. I think the guy who you have to be the most worried about is Ezekiel Elliott. Because that was your first round pick. That was the third overall pick by consensus. You probably took him no later than fifth, depending on your league. And man, I mean, at least if you are worried about Amari Cooper, you're worried about your fourth round pick. And hopefully you have three picks that you took ahead of him who are doing something better. If you're worried about Julian Edelman, he was like your seventh or eighth round pick. And you have a foundation that goes beyond that. If you are worried about Ezekiel Elliott, you could be very worried about your entire team. And that's why I'm a little bit more concerned about Dallas in general, because you are counting on Dallas's players more than you're counting on anyone in New England, save for possibly Cam Newton. Yeah, they got a few uh, tough matchups coming up on the schedule. You look beyond this week, you know, at Philly's not bad, and they catch the Steelers in week nine. That's a situation where the Cowboys could get absolutely boat raced by the Steelers. Mm-hmm. They do have a bye to regroup in 10 before they get the Vikings. They see the footballs again in 12. They go on the road to Baltimore. It's not an easy stretch to figure it out. And I just worry this is not an offense that with Andy Dalton eventually back at the controls, that they're not going to be able to keep pace with some of the other teams they're going up against. It's not something I expected to say about Dallas even three weeks ago. You know, when when Dak mm-hmm. Prescott got hurt, you and I talked on this show about Dalton being one of the more capable backups in the league and that with the supporting cast, he should be able to keep them afloat and that there was a chance that most weeks he could be a top 10 quarterback because of the situation from fantasy purposes, even if he's not a good real-life player. It's amazing how far off I was really on both of these situations looking at it now. Yeah, I mean, everyone was way off on that Andy Dalton situation. I think a lot of us thought he was going to come in, still have a level of competence, and that the weapons were going to keep him afloat, that he was good enough to keep them afloat, and they were good enough to pull his game up. That has not been the case over two games here. You mentioned also leaving this game with a concussion, so we will track his progress in the concussion protocol over this week. Uh, Let's turn it over to someone at the opposite end of the spectrum. Justin Herbert does it again for the Los Angeles Chargers. 347 yards and three touchdowns through the air. 66 yards and one more score on the ground. It's actually his first win as a starter. The Chargers getting a 39-29 victory over the Jaguars. And another one that was a really, really fun game to watch. He had both teams delivering. Gardner Minshew got a slow start to things, but ultimately put together a decent fan game, but it's the quarterback on the other side that we have to focus on here. Derek, Justin Herbert now putting together big game after big game after big game, already looking like a huge hit for the Chargers in this previous year's draft. How many quarterbacks would you comfortably start ahead of Justin Herbert the rest of the season? I mean, you could probably count them on one hand. Um, I'm, I'm impressed because I think the rushing ability raises his floor each and every week. He's spreading the ball around in a way that's almost frustrating, but I think it makes this offense a lot more effective. We saw Jalen Guyton score. We saw Virgil Green score. We saw Donald Parham score. Um, not quite the you know Keenan Allen, Hunter Henry, Mike Williams trio, but uh, using those depth options effectively really makes this team difficult to stop. And I think this is also a Chargers defense that while they've got a few playmakers, they're not necessarily going to be a lockdown defense. They become a bit shootout prone as well 
all of that adds up to Justin Herbert being in a really good situation. And like, I, I still feel bad for the way Tyrod Taylor lost the job, but I'm wondering now what were they looking at in practice? Like, what were <laughs> they seeing from Herbert versus Taylor in practice that even left Taylor in a position to be the Week One starter? It makes you wonder if perhaps there were a normal summer, right? A normal mini camp, training camp, OTAs, preseason, all that. If Justin Herbert would have been this team starter right from the get-go. And just the fact that all he had was a rush training camp and no preseason games gave the leg up to the veteran. I think we saw that in a few situations across the league. Uh, Justin Herbert could have been one of those. And I'm right there with you. I mean, Mahomes... Rodgers, maybe, Deshaun Watson, Lamar Jackson, Josh Allen. I mean, you know, you're looking at those guys as for sure over Justin Herbert, I would say, but Herbert's right in there. And I think you could make the argument for Herbert over Rodgers because of the rushing. I don't know if I would go that far, but the point is, he is locked in as a QB1 for the rest of the season. Three 300 yard games in his five starts, three games with at least three touchdowns in his five starts and the, just the second quarterback ever in NFL history to throw for at least 250 yards in each of his first five starts. The other guy who did it, Patrick Mahomes. So, you know, we're in a passing era in the NFL. There's probably going to be more guys who do it down the line, but what a performance again from Justin Herbert. If you have him, kudos. You got yourself a, a quarterback one off of the waiver wire. It's why we always say late-round quarterback is the way to go. You're never exactly sure where the gyms are going to come. The Chargers got themselves one in Justin Herbert. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. All right, Derek, one more rookie quarterback that I want to talk about. Joe Burrow and this Bengals passing game lighting things up again in Week 7, a huge game against the Cleveland Browns. Another one of these games that was super exciting, both in real life, the way it ended with Baker Mayfield throwing a game-winning touchdown almost at the gun, 15 seconds on the clock, and in fantasy purposes because there were a ton of points on the board in this one. 71 points between the Browns and the Bengals for Joe Burrow, 406 yards and three touchdowns. Also ran for 34 yards 
and a score. We have seen these monster games from Burrow uh, more often than not, or maybe not more often than not these monster games, but he has a very high fantasy floor and clearly the ceiling to go off like this. We've now seen that from him a couple of times. Joe Burrow, not quite Justin Herbert, but another rookie a quarterback that we got to be feeling really good about as not just a streamer, not a matchup play, but you can have Joe Burrow as the only quarterback on your team and feel pretty decent about the position, I think, the rest of the way. Yeah, he's had at least 36 attempts in all but one game this season. The only exception was week five on the road against the Ravens. So they are more than comfortable letting him air it out. He's got plenty of weapons in that passing game. T. Higgins continues to do a lot of great work as a rookie, too. So I love the matchup coming up again in week eight. They've got the Titans, a defense that people think is really good, but when you look at it, it actually isn't. They allow points. They allow yards. They're very beatable. So I think it continues with this matchup in week eight for this uh, Cincinnati offense. Yeah, we talk about the entire passing game, and that's what I like about Joe Burrow a lot is that with the reemergence of A.J. Green, he now has three guys in this passing attack that uh, are pretty consistent performers for him. We talked about it after week six. A.J. Green gets 11 targets in that game, caught eight of them for 96 yards. He comes right back here in week seven against the Browns, seven catches for 82 yards, and nearly had a touchdown, a really nice play by Denzel Ward. Uh, man coverage, A.J. Green actually came down with the pass in the end zone, and then Ward slapped it out of his hands after Green had caught it. Again, the point being here is that it feels like A.J. Green is back, not to 2015 A.J. Green, 2014 A.J. Green, but to being a consistent, reliable receiver out there for Joe Burrow. Now you talk about having him with Tyler Boyd, who had 11 catches for 101 yards and a touchdown, and T. Higgins, five catches for 71 yards and a touchdown in this game, and suddenly you've got a lot of dangerous weapons for a defense to account for, and all that plays to Joe Burrow's favor. We also have a, a, a bad defense. <laughs> Just ask Baker Mayfield, who carved him up for 297 and five touchdowns. This defense is more than gettable, and that is great news for Joe Burrow and the passing game. So a couple of rookies in Burrow and Herbert showing up for fantasy owners in week seven and feeling like they're going to continue showing up for the remainder of the season. Let me run through a couple of injuries here really quick. Obviously, no real word on these yet, but we'll keep an eye on them this week because the ones you're going to want to be thinking about on Monday and Tuesday early on in the waiver process. Odell Beckham left that big scoring game for the Browns early with a knee injury. Deontay Johnson, another injury for him. Uh, this one sounded like it wasn't too serious but again, way too early to know here. This is a lower leg injury. Jeff Wilson, after a three-touchdown game in the 49ers' drubbing of the Patriots, left late because of an ankle injury. Concussions for Andy Dalton and Phillip Lindsay. And then Debo Samuel just can't stay healthy. He left the 49ers' win with a hamstring injury. Let's take a really quick look here at Week 8. Waivers, Derek Michael Pirine maybe becomes an interesting guy. 11 carries for 39 yards and a touchdown. Alan Lazard also, someone who was dropped understandably in a lot of leagues, but sounds like he is rounding the corner and headed for a return to the Packers offense. We saw that one clicking again with Aaron Rodgers having another big game in Week 7. Yeah, I mean, I think they're still looking for that consistent number 2 option behind Devontae Adams, and I think there's a better chance that Lazard fills it than the current cast of characters, we haven't seen a lot from Marquez Valdez-Scantling in recent weeks. I think he's gone scoreless since week one. Uh, Robert Tanyan's been solid, but I don't know if he's necessarily the second option there. I think he's more of a viable tight end than a, a potential elite player at the position. So I definitely have some interest in Lazard. And I think we said at the time when the Jets were parting ways with 
Le'Veon Bell that LaMichael P. Ryan just makes sense as someone that could kind of take the Bell functions over in the offense, mm-hmm. be the guy that not only catches passes but also gets a lot of the early down work as well. So I think he will likely be the best available running back in a lot of leagues here looking ahead to Week 8. Yeah, an impressive touchdown run. The 11 for 39 doesn't necessarily jump off the page at you, but you love the 11 and a really nice athletic touchdown run that he had diving for the pylon uh, has to show you, has to hopefully show uh, the uh, Jets brain trust that we got to see what this guy has. Obviously, we have a better chance of going 0-16 than even 3-13. and So uh, let's see what we maybe have in store for next season. We've got plenty in store for you on fantasy football in 15 the rest of the week and, of course, the Athletic Fantasy football podcast so we'll have a full look at the waiver wire on today's episode there be sure to check us out for now dvr and i are signing off we'll be right back with you tomorrow until then thanks for listening and have a great day